Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Uh, we're really excited. We're about to roll out our very first season in a couple weeks. And so this week we're going to take some time just to get to know one of our one of our hosts. Which one? Today we're going to get to know Josh. Me. house flipper, former farmer, former shirt, former farmer, yeah, former farmer, former uh, shirt business owner, Uh, call me a serial entrepreneur, yeah, former fill in the blank, call me clueless, you're all over the place, (laughs) so how, like, let's just start out there, like, why so many different things, man, it's just like a a puppy who lost his way. <laughs> He's trying to find himself. Uh, well, I did. I was a SEAL for 10 years, and that brought me in until I was 29, mm-hmm. 30. And I just, I wanted to get out of the SEALs because I was gone too much from my family. So I didn't know what to do. I knew I didn't want to be employed by anyone. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work for myself. So I just, it was kind of, I mean, I look back and like, you you say it, and you're like, "Wow, that dude was all over the place." And I was, but it was it wasn't it wasn't strategic. I wouldn't go that far, but it it definitely was a process. Well, like it, I was just trying it, to figure out what I wanted yeah. to do. It's really a product of your personality, right? So let's let's back it all the way up, like because all those things really kind of kind of shed light on the the Josh I know your personality. So let's go back before the seals. Like you're saying, it makes sense once you get to know. Yeah, him. once you get to know Josh, like that doesn't shock you at all. Although it seems like a lot of different directions, a lot of different things. And so let's let's back up before the seals. What would make you even want to go into the Navy in the first place? Um, like, is that something that you always wanted to do as a kid? Like growing up, like what did you want to do growing up? Man, I just had this revelation when you asked that because I never had a good answer for that, mm-hmm. but. My life, if you trace it through every decision I made, and I make big decisions, yeah, it's always these like intense moments of clarity. So I was in college. Mm-hmm. I was my second year at LSU. I was um, failing quickly out yeah. of LSU, and I was um, what was I doing? I was cutting grass for myself. And I was actually doing great at cutting grass. Like, I was making good money for a college right. kid. And everything was just going smooth. I had a girlfriend at the time. It was just whatever. And um, one day, I just like, whoa, I got to get out of town. <laughs> and I I went that day to join the Coast Guard. I mean, I did a little bit of research, maybe like a day's worth, and tried to join the Coast Guard. Cause Why I was the like, Coast Guard? Because it could get me out of... Like, my moment of clarity was I need to get out of town. Mm-hmm. And so... I had this, <laughs> oh, when I was like in high school, I had a teacher that her boyfriend was in the Coast Guard and yeah. he lived in Florida and he rode a motorcycle. And that was like, <laughs> so cool. that picture popped in my head and I was like, I got to go do that right now. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to do that. And um, Were you man, always that impulsive? Like what was, what was home life like as a kid? Like were you always that impulsive? Um what made you make make big decisions so quickly like that? Hmm. 
I can't think of one impulsive thing I did in high school. I always played football. That was my sport. Right. And my senior year, I just up and quit. I had like one altercation with my coach and just Mm. quit. And I just had this, once again, this moment of clarity. I was like, I am done. And I loved football. Yeah. And I never looked back. It never mattered to me. We said a few things that kind of perked up my ears. You didn't feel like you could really work for anyone. That's why you start businesses. Didn't really get along with coach. So just up and quit. Like authority. Was that a problem in life? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know how that leads to my impulsiveness, but... Um, well, what was childhood like as a kid? So my my dad, I would describe as pretty... Uh, he worked a ton. Mm-hmm. So he worked a lot. He loved us, but worked a lot. Mm-hmm. And just at his role in my life, it was pretty passive, Yeah, to be honest. Um, mom kind of like ruled the roost. And she was tough. Mm-hmm. She was definitely hard on us. And I felt like she abused her authority. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not, I mean, you look at it, it probably wasn't extreme to anybody else, but I'm like, I'm black and white. I'm very intense. And so to me, I felt like, like I needed to know why for everything. She, you know, she, like all her rules, and mm-hmm. she wouldn't explain to me why. Yeah. Cause she's, she had four kids, and my sister was disabled, right. and she was like working her tail off to, Right. Uh, support her so we had a t- it was a busy mm-hmm. busy household I guess you could say were you involved in like as a family in the community like did you go to church did you we were in and out of church like I remember we lived right behind this big Baptist church my dad mm-hmm. would like hop the fence occasionally and go over there but never invited us when I was in, a kid I'd play around in that church like when we weren't supposed to uh, my mom had us go to a Mormon church for like Six months. Oh, yeah? When I was... Uh, Tell us more. Oh, was I 10? <laughs> I'll, I'll remember. I remember a few things from it. One, I was over the age of baptism. Mm-hmm. I got baptized in the Mormon church. All right. And uh, I don't... That's not... It's not nothing. Normal. Yeah, it's not nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was too old to get baptized, but they let me anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it probably wasn't that big a deal. I'm sure it happens a lot. And then I remember when I was a kid, like... I think I was 10 because the age is eight or if the age is 10, then I was 12, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they asked the first day I was in church, they asked me to pray for him and I like prayed wrong. And I was, I like said the wrong intro and outro, you know, like mm-hmm. Holy Spirit or what do they say? Heavenly father. Yeah. Is their thing. And, uh, so that was really embarrassing. I think that may have shaped a little bit of how I viewed religion. And then yeah. it just wasn't important to my parents. So I didn't view it as very important. Okay. Um, yeah. So from there, you, you, you go on, obviously, you grow up, high school, all that. Like, did you get back involved in the church at that point? or? Yeah, so freshman in high school, I, someone shared the gospel with me. Mm-hmm. It was my now wife. Really? Yeah. It was kind of framed in this way, like, I will never date someone who doesn't know Jesus. And so I was she like, was a, tell me more. She's a, she's a missionary dater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, but it was, it was definitely genuine. Like right. I don't like, 
She really just, cared about you. She to, really cared about your soul. Oh, it was genuine for her for sure. Yeah. And it was when I believed in Jesus, it was genuine for me. Yeah. I just had zero discipleship. I had nobody right. like saying, Oh, you're a Christian, now learn these things. These are mm-hmm. important. And so my faith really didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I went to this this really like charismatic church mm-hmm. and thought my faith was me just like jumping around, dancing and sure. worshiping God. Like that was that was my faith lived out and then bringing people to church like that was the culmination right but and like studying the bible learning about yeah i didn't i tried to do that i mean i just didn't I have any had guidance. zero direction but i was all about it uh and that kind of fizzled out mm-hmm. and then a few years later i got involved in young life which is uh uh it's christ-centered it's mm-hmm. they're all about the gospel reaching unchurched kids yeah so they can go into high schools and reach the kids that won't ever go to church. Mm-hmm. And they share the gospel with them. And um, so I did that for probably about four years in high school and college. Mm-hmm. And that was real for me. Like that's where I probably met some of my closest friends ever and uh, really started growing in my faith. Yeah. But then I left for the Navy and it just all halted. Okay. So we kind of come back full circle a little bit. I'm involved in Young Life. And we did it quickly. Yeah. Good for us. I know. We're usually pretty long-winded in some of these things. So involved in the Navy, or sorry, involved in LSU, involved in Young Life. Did you have a leader in your life, like someone discipling you at that point? Like When I was in Young Life, yeah, I had two leaders. I'd call them mentors, yeah. guides, and uh, still still close to one of them. Mm-hmm. Like we talk once a week still now, yeah. 12 years later. 15 years really is how long he probably calls me once or twice a week. Right. So it seems like the, you kind of shared that part of the story, like the Navy kind of halted your faith a little bit. Like what were you looking for that you felt like the Navy was going to offer, um, that you weren't finding in your faith? Uh, I don't know. I guess I never really looked at my faith as something that satisfied me okay, or fulfilled me. Um, How did you view your faith at that time? How did you view Christ? I viewed it as important. Yeah, I viewed it as a means for salvation. I viewed it as um, uh, maybe that's about it, important. But, but mainly a means of salvation? Not Yeah, like I knew I didn't want to be a pastor or a missionary. And like, so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if I'm not going to go do that, then what can I do with my life? Because mm-hmm. I got to do something. Now, there was a little bit of like probably guilt there that I wasn't pursuing my faith. But the only way I knew how is to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to do that. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Right. So like it wasn't enough. So it wasn't any purpose. Right. For you at that point. So enter in the opportunity to go. To the Navy, because would you, would you say at that point in time, mowing grass at LSU, you felt purposeless? Yeah, that was kind of the draw. Is I realized that was part of the moment of clarity, rather, is mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I'm going to be cutting grass. So my mentor, he cut, he well, he doesn't cut grass, but he owns a lawn, lawn care business. Right. And um, he's been doing a long time. And he was mentoring me. He's how I got started cutting grass in the first place. And I just kind of realized, well, I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life. Right. Because I was done with college. Like, I could have done it if I tried, but I I didn't have any reason to be there. Mm-hmm. So I was over college, and I realized I was going to be be doing that forever. 
So I needed purpose. So I was getting out of town. I was yeah. going to go find it. So describe to us those years in the Navy and, and pursuing the Navy SEALs. Like what made you go to that extent to the SEALs? Uh, so after the, that's pretty tough. I mean, not, not many people would even try that, you know, from my perspective as just a regular person who's never been in any military, um, to me, the Navy SEALs, like that's like, See, I think some top of the army. top, right? I said military, what Navy military. <laughs> it's all the same. You know, a branch of, of our, I'll, I'll get you right. Military. I'll teach you all the ways, you know, anyway, sorry. Once again, I'm just a regular person. Completely fine. <laughs> uh, so I started, but, I tried to join the Coast Guard. Yeah. Because I wanted to get out of town. And then like two weeks went by and they wouldn't, nothing happened. And I was just like getting restless. So um, <clears throat> my uncle, actually, he was in the National Guard. He he just told us like, dude, just get on the website and see what the highest enlistment bonus was. I'm like, mm. what's an enlistment bonus? It's a bonus. They pay you for making it through a school. So I looked up the highest one. It was Navy SEAL. It was $40,000 to join. And I was like, that's a lot of money. $40,000. Holy moly. So I looked into it. And um, so sometimes I tell people, yeah, it was the money that made me want to be a SEAL. But it wasn't. Like, it made me click on the link right. to see more about it. But then once I saw the videos, there was a lot of videos about they were trying to recruit SEALs. This was in 2007. Mm -hmm. Think about, like, so 9-11 happened in 2001, and it wasn't until like 2003 when they started using a lot of SEALs. And that's when they were like, we need more SEALs. Because SEALs had been just chilling for like right. a decade. They hadn't been doing anything. And so 03 is when they started pushing, and that just led up, you know, I was a part of that recruiting. Yeah. So they were recruiting SEALs real hard. I watched the videos. I just fell in love with it. It just seemed like, it seemed exciting. Right. It seemed like full of adventure. It seemed like it had a lot of purpose. There was a lot of mm -hmm. brotherhood, like um, a lot of things you felt like you were missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things that we would say the church should offer brotherhood, purpose, all that stuff. But at the time, this is where you were finding it most. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with being a Navy SEAL. It's awesome, but the drive for you well, it was like was hard deeper. too. Because I don't know, you did like brotherhood, purpose, like those things were like I had friends at the time, and they were. Friends that like cared about me and like cared about things that mattered. Like, why? Why does it being hard attract you? Because like, to me, like, that's a reason why I wouldn't do it. I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. But th hard things always attract me. Like yeah. we were just talking about ice baths. I love ice baths. They're hard, but I feel so good after. Like I don't even like to jump in the pool when it's too cold. I mean, I don't like that either. <laughs> I definitely don't. Like I'd rather an ice bath than a cold than a chilly pool because you get no reward after the chilly pool. After the ice bath, you feel great. <clears throat> so it's that kind of that drive. If I can accomplish it, like what it brings to you, like not yeah. that ice bath is the same as Navy I like seals, this. I can just say stuff and you interpret it. <laughs> right. Like I don't even have to think. <laughs> but to that point, like knowing you, like it, it wasn't like necessarily being tortured through Navy seals was the attraction. But if I can accomplish it, if I can beat it, yeah. Then that means something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and honestly, like, going through training, the hardest part, everyone will tell you, like, the mental is the hardest part. Right. But to me, the physical was hard. Because I, I wasn't, like, physically ready to be a SEAL. 
Like <laughs> I saw pictures. That's <laughs> what true. pictures? You showed me pictures like you and oh school. my little like I had my pudge and my little yeah, like tiny shoulders, zero shoulders. <laughs> Dude, I don't know how I made it, but physically, like mentally, it wasn't really ever that ever that difficult. Mm-hmm. I had one day where I was like, mm, maybe I'll just quit, but one day out of six months, that's not bad. No, it was always like, am I gonna get kicked out of here because I'm barely making it. Physically, like we had timed runs, we had timed swims, we had an O course. I failed an O course the first time through. What's that? I got rolled. What's an O course? Obstacle course. Oh, dude, it's such a fun obstacle course. Yeah, it sounds like it. But <laughs> I, it almost it almost got rid of me. Um, so we had all these physical things that, like, dude, guys would come through and they were just beasts, and then they would quit. I'm like, I never understood it. Hmm. So, like mentally, it, I mean, I don't want to say it was easy, but like I, I struggled that more. That wasn't the challenging part. Yeah, physically. it really wasn't. I was just like, I'm just, all I have to do is not quit and not die, and I'll be fine. <laughs> like that, you that know was like not normal, right? Like, I'm not normal. That mentality of like, as long as I just don't die, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's cool. It's, that's, that's who you are. That's the Josh I know. Yeah, like I really just, and I'm I'm not saying any of this to be arrogant because I just found like mm-hmm. the perfect thing for me. Yeah. And it was. It was great, and I enjoyed it for a long time. So you get through that. You become a SEAL. Then at that point in time, because your current wife is one that, that you said. But don't say current wife. It's like I got four wives. Right. <laughs> your wife. <laughs> um, she's the one way back in high school that introduced you to Jesus, shared the gospel with you. Mm-hmm. You accepted Christ, made him your Lord, you know. Where I did she I fall? didn't make him my Lord. Well, He was my Savior, not my Lord. Well, I didn't know that. See, I didn't have someone uh, like yeah. you telling me to do that. Right. <laughs> but where does, where does Brittany come back into the picture, your wife? Uh, I had been in the Navy for... Or was she ever out of the picture? Yeah, we were in, we were like off and on dating friends, yeah. mostly friends for a long time, and uh, I was just in the friend zone. I remember like leaving for the Navy. I wrote her a little letter saying mm-hmm. like, "Hey, like, I like wrote everyone letters like I was going to be out of there, like I was going like off you're to dying." <laughs> yes, like literally. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> I wrote one to her and to her mom because her mom played a big part in my life too. Like, yeah. Anyway, she was awesome, but oh, that's cool, and she still is. Um. And then I don't know, some maybe a year and a half into being in the Navy, we started talking again on the phone. Mm-hmm. I was living in San Diego at the time, and right. things happened pretty quick after that. We started talking, and immediately we were dating, and then like we were engaged six months later, and then we got married six months after that, mm-hmm. and then now we've been married ten years. That's awesome. Yeah. So along that journey, you're married, you're still, she's your wife. Like, what was it like? Like, I imagine you're sent off on missions for long periods of time. Like that's gotta be a hard first of your marriage. Like how was that? And, and where were you at spiritually and trying to navigate those waters as a, as a new husband and, and in the Navy? Man, it was, uh, let's see. It was a slow and steady decline that I what didn't realize was happening. Okay. So, I mean, we definitely got married what do you mean slow and steady decline? Well, so we got married with a purpose set on Christ. Like our purpose to get married was to honor and glorify Christ. Okay. We didn't know how to do that. 
But we know that's what we both wanted. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. We knew that was like the right thing to do, but also we genuinely wanted that. Sure. Um, but like I said, we didn't know how to do that. And we were traveling. We had no home church. We had no one in our lives that was leading us mm-hmm. spiritually. Um, and so... You guys bounced around a little bit, like lived in different places too, right? Well, we moved to North Carolina when we first got married. Mm-hmm. And we were there six months, and then we went to Hawaii. We were there for five, six years. Okay, so Hawaii was a home base that was, for a while. Yeah, that's where we had two kids of ours. And mm-hmm. like that's... Hawaii was when I got stationed on my first team. And that's when like Navy life really started for me. Okay. So, um, so back to the decline. I mean, I was gone probably six to eight months out of the year, like on either deployments or training trips. Like since we were in Hawaii, we would always travel to the States to train. So she was doing a lot of life by herself. Like I remember we had our first kid and six weeks later I was gone for months you know, I don't even remember how, how long. So she learned <clears throat> how to deal a lot, like, on her own. And I know she's got a whole story in her own how she went through that. Yeah. For me, it was just, um, you know, I was trying to be a good dad, a good husband, and learn how to do all that. And That's tough to do from a distance. Yeah. But also learn how to be a good SEAL because I was a brand-new SEAL. Right. And now I'm on a team, and, like, I'm a new guy. I've been in the Navy three years and I'm still a new guy right. like trying to learn how um, how to be good at my job and so really God God in my faith just was it wasn't like the power in which I did all that mm-hmm. like it should have been it was just an area of my life that I was uh, neglecting right and that um, that really didn't start to show like negative side effects i think that's just like a way like we're lulled to sleep in our faith it was just a slow and steady like lulling me to sleep like i remember just focus on things you you feel like you need to do yeah navy like doing your job well just trying to survive yeah like i mean you know what it's Mm -hmm. like to be first married yeah like all of that like i i could only use like the bible to love like to learn how to love my wife, right, you know, right. like that was all gospel. But, um, so that was like the main way I was living out my faith was the way I was loving and trying to learn how to love my wife right. and lead her. You know, I, I didn't really have a, a very clear direction on that, but I knew that's, that was our only hope was like when things were tough, like we just had to forgive and love and, and have grace. Right. And, you know, that was kind of as complicated as it mm-hmm. got, but <clears throat> which, I mean, just that is hard. <laughs> yeah. That's extremely hard. So as you're going through that, this state decline to where you wanted to go ahead and get out of the Navy. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as my faith goes, I just remember, like, I remember, I don't know, a few years in trying to pray to God and yeah. I was praying like, God, well, at least I have my faith. Cause I hear people say like they doubt, God's existence and I was right. like I never doubt your existence like thank you for that and like the last couple of years that's when I really started doubting even my faith and mm. I hid that from everybody I never told my wife that why'd you start doubting dude I don't know like it literally it was just like taken from me hmm. that's how that's what it felt because nothing really changed in my life I was just being lulled to sleep you know like I said and 
one day I woke up and I'm like, I don't know if I believe in God. Hmm. And I, I never went as far as like to make that declaration to myself yeah. or to anyone, but like that's what I was, that's right. the direction I was headed. And I was finding these Christians that were like saying they were Christians, but the mm-hmm. things they were like talking about, mm-hmm. like were just bringing me further and further away and just really eroding my faith. Yeah. Uh, I call them new age Christians. Um, and it, it, it was very harmful to my, what was left of my faith. Just saying things that were contradictory to scripture or. Yeah. Or well, the, the thing is like, I didn't have anyone teaching me scripture, so I didn't know what was right. scriptural. I just knew like, Oh, these guys are Christians too. So I like what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. The problem is it makes me doubt everything 10 times more. And the problem that I didn't realize then was that it wasn't biblical. Mm-hmm. Like they were just coming up with their own religion and wrapping Christ around it. Right. But and you it wasn't know the difference. Yeah. And I didn't know the difference. I didn't have any discernment or anyone leading me. Um, so what path did that lead you down? Like give us that timeline. Was that towards the end of the Navy career? Oh, yeah. Like how did that impact your life? That was probably like, that started probably four years ago. Okay. And then that led me into. Uh, what I call my um, <clears throat> self-help episode of my life. And that started up when you were still in the Navy? Yes. Yeah, that's where it began when I was still in the Navy, where I realized, like, oh, there's this, like, um, genre of uh-huh. literature and um, people out there that preach. That They don't preach. They It's self-help. It's um, Tim Ferriss, it's Tony Robbins, it's Wake Up Warrior, it's um, all of these, not just like the business help, but it's the mindset coaching and helping and all that stuff. And I got really into that so much so I was looking at like taking a, when I was out of the Navy, this fast forward a few years, taking a job in San Diego, or no, it wasn't, it was in it was in California, LA yeah. somewhere, I don't know, all those little towns, <clears throat> as like this business and leadership coach right. for this company. Um, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't an official offer on the table or anything, but I could have pursued that and I wanted to, but something didn't allow me to, I think, Right. thankfully. So speaking of jobs, when did the t-shirt business come in? Because was that like a result of you looking for other avenues outside of the Navy? Yeah, that was me realizing like, Okay, I got two years left in the Navy. Mm-hmm. I want to be self-employed. I had some buddies that were kind of like-minded. Did that have anything to do with the whole self-help movement of yours too? Like wanting to start businesses yeah. and start doing Self-help that? just taught me the value of like, oh, business is how you gain freedom. Because mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really financially motivated. Right. Money doesn't motivate me. Freedom does. Okay. And so I learned that through self-help and was like, well, how do you get freedom? Oh, well, money helps you with freedom. Sure. How do you get money? Oh, well, business like building businesses helps. So it was me and a friend were both like um, wanting to start a business for that very reason. Yeah. So we were like, what can we do? And we had another friend who, he was a uh, t-shirt printer. Mm -hmm. And so we just came up with a brand and um, designed a few shirts. And then we got a professional designer to help us more. And then we just called a bunch of people to try to get them to feature our shirts in their stores and, we had some success early on. Like it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, it didn't really pay us any money, but mm-hmm. it was, we were selling a ton of shirts. 
Right. Just you got to sell a lot of shirts to make any money because yeah. of the markup and the cost of goods and all that stuff. Right. So we did that for a couple of years, and then me and the um, the other guy that started it, we just had like um, I was ready to move on. Mm-hmm. I was living like in Louisiana at the time. He was still in Hawaii, and I was just done. So in that process, you got out of the Navy and moved to Louisiana, or you're still in the Navy? Well, I was in Louisiana on my last, my like, last two years in the Navy. What part of Louisiana were you? Was here? actually in Mississippi. Okay, that was where my uh, duty station was, but I was living here in Mandeville. Okay, and uh, I was actually yeah, I was in Mandeville, and uh, that's when it kind of died. But at the same time, I was also, I was farming. We got to hear about this one. I love this story. (laughs) (laughs) So t-shirt business, you were starting to feel like you wanted to transition out of that. Thinking about opting out, like were you at like a a time in the Navy where you had the opportunity to re-up or not? Hey, get out or like sign up for four, five, six more years. Which you were not ready to do. Yeah. Well, when I was in Hawaii, actually, I learned about this farming method called aquaponics. And it's where you... uh, Man, it's been a long time since I talked about this. I used to like just roll off my tongue. Yeah. It's a self-sustaining method of farming where your plants are grown in water. Yeah. They sit on rafts and the roots grow in water. Yeah. And you have a fish tank and the fish waste, their manure, their waste, okay. creates the nutrients for the plants. The plants take the ammonia, which is toxic to the fish, out of the water and that water keeps circulating around and it you're able to keep the fish sustained. Like basically the roots become the filter for the fish and then the fish become the nutrients for the, for the plants. And boom, you got this self-sustaining farming method that you don't need any dirt for. Okay. And so super effective in Hawaii because they have rock there. They're right. on a big rock. And I thought it'd be great in Louisiana, I just didn't realize, like, <laughs> Louisiana's got here. great dirt, <laughs> right. great soil. They got no need for this method. <laughs> and it was really stinking hard. And I didn't know myself. Like, I'm a terrible farmer. Yeah. I'm a project guy. Give me a project, I will crush it. Make me maintain it, and I will fail. Right, because farming's all about patience, main, mm, maintenance, oh my long-term goodness. thinking. I think there's, like... My there's favorite a, part about all this is, like, obviously you just jumped into it without thinking it through at all. <laughs> Dude, I thought through it. I spent 3000 bucks on a course in Hawaii to go through the course. And this dude painted this picture like it was going to be so easy. Right. I just mean like thinking through the fact that you're in Louisiana. and there's Yeah, a market study. That was yeah. the lesson there. Like <laughs> right. do a market right. study. And before you build a huge farm, my farm was like, how big was it? I don't know, like a tenth of an acre. But I basically had enough for like 5,000 plants. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like I should have built a small one and like tried to sell it first. Right. And that's another thing. I didn't know anything about sales. So it was, it was a long, I have so many lessons that I've learned from all that. Right. But that's part of who you are too. Like that's what I love about you is you're not afraid to take big chances. Sometimes that means learning some hard lessons, but you're also pretty quick about learning those lessons, which kind of leads into when we met, like... You're, when I met you, and I, I don't know, I don't think I'm jumping ahead in the story, but at this process is when I kind of met you around that time you were looking for churches kind of going around, right? Yeah. You ended up at our church. And so the Josh I met was 
one who was very sure that he was, they knew a lot, but also willing to learn and like actually hear truth too. So yeah. talk about, I've kind of teased that, but talk about that journey leading up to looking for church or trying to do, you're trying to do house church at the time and how God was bringing you back around into exploring your faith again because you were in that self-help world yeah. in that way. Yeah, thankfully the self-help, which I now call the gospel of self, be- because it's it's really all it has you focus on is yourself. Mm-hmm. And, but you, you go like to the high-level guys and they teach you about spirituality. And they're like, you got to be spiritual. And I think like if they were to be honest, they're like, Here's the deal, guys. I don't know why you got to be spiritual, but you just got to do it. <laughs> and so I was just faking it. Like, I was just like, okay, I got to implement this spirituality. I was, we had tried every church out here. I was so over it. Like, I just could not find any type of leadership that I would follow, any type of doctrine that I was like believing. Um, nowhere like where I felt like could lead me spiritually. And so I was just going to lead myself. I was going to, teach my kids and my, my family like about the things of God that I, as much as that I, that I knew right. and just see what happened. And I was just like going for that. And I just like ran out of content real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, there's only so much I knew, you know? Right. So we, we were, I don't know how we ended up here. Like, I don't know how we ended up at your church. Right. Um, but it was just one day we decided to try it out. And, uh, it just all started changing after that. Well, let's kind of go into that. So you visit the first time. How do you kind of walk through your perspective? And we'll kind of walk down that journey of how God began to reshape your faith. But you walk in first day. What yeah, were you first thinking? day y'all were in the um, the old, like it was a little space y'all were renting. A warehouse. It was a warehouse. It was hot. It was, um, it was, but not, like, it was not glamorous. But like it was cool, like it was a cool spot, it was a cool vibe. Um, but I don't really remember it. I didn't really care about any of that because I'd seen so many different churches. But I remember like you walking up to me, and I just was thinking you were just a random dude in the church. I was like, oh, it's cool. This guy's like, I think most people still think that. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Who's, Who's that? that guy? Why are they letting that random guy preach today? <laughs> Why is he talking to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I don't remember. I have, a, I have a bad memory for details. But at the end of it, like, I got your number and you were like, hey, we should have coffee. And I was like, that dude. Like, they they all say that. Because by this time, I learned that you were the pastor. But you don't know how much I love coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Nor did I know that your office was a coffee shop. So you literally posted up at Starbucks every day. So That's it was right. really easy to come to your office and have coffee. <laughs> Uh, but I just, like, I was at the point where I was like, yeah, I'm going to go have coffee with this dude. I don't care. That's awesome. And so I I think I called you the next, or texted you the next day. I was like, hey, when are we having coffee? And it was kind of like a test. Like, I was calling you out like, he don't want to have coffee. And you're like, yeah, come on. I'm I'm available. Right. I was like, oh, okay. And think, so we had I coffee. I think I actually texted you first, but that's fine. Did you? No, I'd believe you if you remembered that because I don't remember. Well, only because it's like... Oh, that was part of your follow-up. I always do it like the very next day. So. Right. But I think you were like quick to be like, hey, well, I've got this time available. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Right. For sure. Yeah, so we had coffee. And um, <clears throat> I remember having some like 
good, honest conversation. And I just kind of told you where I was at. Do you remember that? Maybe you remember. Oh, better. I remember. Yeah, for sure. I remember you kind of just being pretty skeptical and pretty honest, but like very genuine. Like you weren't like confrontational about it. You weren't like trying to test me or anything or trying to test our church. But I could just tell like you were definitely seeking something. Um, I didn't really know where you were in your faith or anything like that. But, you know, I felt like it was a great conversation where you're just really sharing your heart. And basically what you've described so far was pretty much what what you described to me at that point in time. Yeah. And so I know we we talked a lot about um, at that point in time in our, our little coffee visit just about, like, what would it look like to maybe just meet up and talk about the Bible and answer some of your questions. Because you had a lot of questions at that point in time. Like you said, you, you had a lot of influences from self-help to New Age Christianity, if you will. A lot of things swirling around. And yeah, so, my biggest thing then was, like, oh, the Bible isn't real. Yeah. So how can any of this be real? I remember you a few months in, you and Brittany came to, like, our a membership class uh-huh. and, I, and I remember us sitting afterwards and me just being like hey you got any questions like what are you thinking you're just like I mean like why do we even need the Bible <laughs> that was like the first thing so I'm like yeah that's that's a pretty big question <laughs> <laughs> but you handled it like really really well it was just like one with confidence confident like you have to have confidence and clarity if you're a leader you know like that's just a, le- a general lesson if you want people to follow you you have to be really clear about where you're going. And you sure. were like, you were clear, like, cool. Like I hear you. You're definitely wrong, but that's all right. <laughs> we can, we can, t- I can tell you why you're wrong. And that's what was important to me. It didn't hurt my pride at all. I was like, please do tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Cause I want to be, be able to believe something that's going to like help me order my life. Did I say it like that? No, I have no clue. You're the, that's what you heard though. I might have said it like that. I'm, I mean, I yeah. might have said, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> well, I saw it in your face. You were just like, it was, it was graceful, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta teach this guy something. <laughs> and you did like, <laughs> you didn't just. Well, that's the beauty of it. It's like, um, I appreciate the compliments, but the confidence doesn't come from like me just feeling confident. It's just the Bible is able to stand on its own. It's real to you. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I saw. I was like, wait, this is really real to him. Mm-hmm. So many churches you walk into, they're saying stuff that you hear here and you hear sure. in a lot of places, but the way they live their life, like there's not like a real grasping hope mm-hmm. attached to it. And that's what I saw in you and a lot of people here. Sure. That was just very, very attractive. And it doesn't take much like for me to jump all in, you know, and then I was all in. And so let's talk about from that point forward. We're almost done, but we began to to meet up and so and part of your story is why we even started this podcast in the first place. Um is what gave me the idea to even do it was a lot of our conversations after that. Um you were very open and genuine and you asked a lot of really good questions. Um I felt like every time we talked you were trying to stump me with something which by the grace of God, I had answers for you, but but you asked some really hard ones. And so I guess just to finish it out, over this past year or two, as you've been growing your faith, like like what's what's changed? Like what's been important? How's God moved in your life? Like 
and kind of speaking towards those who are listening, like, like how should they view their faith? What have you learned about a genuine faith in Christ? Yeah. Well, I've learned so much in a year and a half. Um, so what's funny is when I got married 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I gave everyone in my wedding Desiring God. John Piper book. Yeah. I loved it. I got it. I read it and I thought I got it. Right. And I'm like, everyone had, like, so much so that I gave it to people at my wedding. Like, it was very important. But yet, I didn't get it. Right. Like, because the whole thing with Desiring God is, like, you are most satisfied in Christ. But I wasn't. And I didn't even know how to do that. Like, what's his tagline in that book? Do you remember? Um, God is most glorified by us when we're most satisfied, satisfied in him. him. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So I love that tagline 10 years ago, and it took me till now to realize that's what our faith is being satisfied. Because like, if you were to describe my personality, it's unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I've always been, is unsatisfied. Right. And so now, here I am learning that Christ is our true treasure that we can be satisfied in. Mm -hmm. But it takes some work. And there's some disciplines. There's some daily actions and um, activities like that you have to do, some exercises, Mm -hmm. some disciplines, whatever you want to call it, that you have to do to not only show that he's your treasure, but for him to become your treasure. And one of those is praying that, he becomes more of your treasure because yeah. only he can grow our affections for him. Right, right. So that's it, like becoming satisfied in him mm-hmm. and realizing like that's what it's all about, right. which is so good for me because I'm so uns- uns- insatiable right. like that in, in anything that I do. Um, and then from there, like that that's just the base. And then from there, that's how I lead my wife. That's mm-hmm. how I lead my kids. That's how I like. I mean, you see me. I'm, I'm all over, mm-hmm. like volunteering for a church. How, like, how does how did that like growing deeper in your faith, growing more and more satisfied in God through understanding His Word and understand because His Word is what gives you the understanding of who He is and how to view life. Mm-hmm. So, how did that change your view of life? To kind of go oh, with like the talking about the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So. Basically, like, because you were a big influence of us even doing this because of our conversations. Many of you may not, I don't know if we've ever shared this or we'll share this in the podcast in many episodes, but Josh and I would just sit in the hot tub at the gym or at a coffee shop or at lunch, and and he was just hungry, constantly asking questions, constantly growing, and just a lot of, about a lot of like just everyday topics that he was just confused about or was just wondering why we would view it a different way or what the Bible actually says about it. And and it changed your view as you grew in that. And so we felt like, man, that's something that would be great for all of us because yeah. the Bible changes our view. And so how did growing in your faith change how you started to view life? Well, it just showed me how, I mean, cause I, I came to you thinking the Bible was antiquated, right? Yeah. Like we can't verify what was written in the Bible. Right. Like, it's not useful anymore. It's right. And so it made not only the Bible, but the gospel Mm -hmm. because the Bible to me was antiquated and the gospel was just a means for salvation only. And so it, 
it made both of those things become a useful tool in my daily life to view anything. Right. Like there's no line between secular and sacred. There's like the Bible can be, uh, is relevant in all of our daily lives. And that, that was shown just by being able to bring up any topic like in our meetings and like being able to bring it right back to the gospel and how, you know, God's designed it. That's right. Because the gospel, just to define that, is that we were created by God for God to worship Him. Because of sin, that relationship was broken, and we began a journey because of our sin in worshiping ourselves and perverting or distorting anything God created. The gospel is God sends His Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life that we couldn't live, take God's full wrath, uh, that we deserve for our sin, pay for the penalty on the cross, die, be raised again on the third day to defeat sin and death, and, and whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith in Christ, is saved because of his blood, right? That's the good news of the gospel, yeah. that we can be restored back to God, to be able to have a relationship with God, to have God, and to worship him again. Yeah. And what you learn is, through that process, if if God created everything for his glory then everything, when we view it through the lens of Scripture, has a different purpose than when we viewed it from a place of sin and selfishness, right? And so our world uses things or distorts things, good things that God's created, but perverts it, and we use it for our own selfish gains and different things like that. When you begin to walk with God and see things from a godly perspective, it begins to redeem your view of life and culture around you, and it... And the Bible gives us the answers to be able to to see things to, through biblical commands and principles, and mostly through all of that's filtered through the gospel itself, because that's the the whole purpose of all of it. It begins to allow us to view things rightly, to understand things in a deeper way than we had understood it before, and operate in such a way that honors God and makes Christ our treasure and not the things of the world our treasure. And we Yeah. And it's a simple message, but I think so many of us as Christians are sleeping because of ignorance. Right. Like there was just like little gaps in my faith that I didn't know and like Satan kept me at a distance to them for years and years and years. Right. And you help fill those in. And so like that's my heartbeat for this podcast is I just want to help wake people up. Right. And show them the relevant truths that are available to them in Christ being their treasure and in the Bible. That's awesome. Well, we'll end that there. Thanks for sharing your story. Hopefully that lets everybody get to know Josh a little bit better. Uh, We're excited for this podcast. We hope that you're tuning in. We hope that you're subscribing or will subscribe when the podcast comes out in a couple weeks. And listen to each episode as we attack different topics. And look forward to next week because that's when Josh interviews me for my story. Let's do it. All right. Until then. Later.